We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Blue Wire. What is up, Nets fans? Welcome to the Brooklyn Buzz. I'm Nick Faye hitting with a solo recap of the Nets' loss of the Bucks, 118-104. The disappointment continues post-All-Star break. Third straight loss, another heartbreaker. You know, and this one in a different way. In the sense, the Nets had an opportunity to really compete in this game and have a shot, you know, in that second half and that fourth quarter, but instead blew it. You know, it started blowing their halftime lead in the first three minutes of the third quarter. And it continued in the fourth where they went, they had a stretch of one of 14 from three. There just were too many mistakes from this team to have a chance to beat a Bucks team that's hot right now. You know, 15 game winning streak from them and a couple key indicators for the Nets that we've talked about, not only with this group of guys, but also with the Katie and Kyrie era Nets is, you know, field goal attempts, 102 attempts for the Bucks, only 83 for the Nets. A lot of that was due to rebounding the Bucks, 11 offensive rebounds, the Nets, Three offensive rebounds, turnover-wise, pretty balanced, 17-17. to 17. But it was just a struggle for the Nets in that second half, as I mentioned, generating offense and also slowing down the Bucks offensively. You know, in the first half, they didn't good enough. You know, that first quarter held them to 22, second quarter 30. You can live with that. But that third quarter, they exploded for 39 points, and that really flipped the game. And the fourth quarter was more so icing on the cake and, You look to the struggles being, like I mentioned, the defense, which was an area that this team is supposed to be good at, especially given the talent of this roster in terms of the starters and some of the defensive pieces they have in a Nick Claxton, Mikel Bridges, you know, a Dorian Finney-Smith, those type of guys, and they still cannot find a level of consistency on that end of the floor. Uh, Offensively, as I mentioned, you know, that 1 of 14 stretch from three, being super dependent on the three ball, and also... You know, just ending offensive possessions in non-rhythm plays. You know, a lot of ISOs, a lot of pull-up threes that are semi-contested or just think there's just no no vibe or positive energy to the offense, especially considering what we saw in the first quarter and the third quarter of this game during certain stretches. You know, guys like Mikel Bridges were hot. You know, Mikel had, you know, 31 in this game, and it felt like, 
he had that little run and the Nets didn't go back to him enough. And even Cam Johnson, who I believe had 15 in the first half, only finished with 19 points in this game. It's just the Nets don't do a good enough job of keeping everyone involved. You know, did have 25 assists in this one, but it felt like majority of those took place in the first half. In that second half, it just got very stagnant. And some of it can be misleading because of, you know, so many three-point misses. And a lot of those misses were on good looks and guys just being ice cold. You know, as I mentioned before, DFS has not shot well as a net. Continue that tonight. 0 of 5 from 3. Cam Thomas, 0 of 3 from 3. Royce O'Neal, 1 of 4 from 3. Mikel Bridges, 3 of 7. You know, just guys missing good looks. And, you know, a couple were contesting out of rhythm, but there was enough where you felt like, you know, they should go down. But again, that's going to be the variance that happens when you, you know, have a, a three-point dominant offense, given the Nets lack a lot of creativity, a lot of creators with this group, at least at this point in time and where those guys are at, especially when a guy like Cam Thomas has, you know, one of arguably his worst games of the season, finishing with two points, 0 of 7 from the field, 0 of 3 from 3, 2 of 2 from the free throw line, five rebounds, two assists, two turnovers. Cam just never really got it going offensively, never really looked comfortable, didn't get to his spots. Uh, his shot was just off. You know, that's going to happen, especially to a young guy going against a physical Milwaukee team. But the Nets, you know, can't afford to have that, especially when he's, you know, their best bench player, a bench unit that for the most part during, you know, competitive minutes when it wasn't garbage time uh, produced five points. You know, uh, a bench unit produced five points. You know, at the end of the night, they ended up with a couple more for, you know, a couple garbage time buckets. But you're not going to win games. And that's, you know, that's a real struggle, this roster. I guess before we talk about the positive, we can look at some more negatives. You know, as I mentioned, Cam Thomas, very rough game. Joe Harris, as we've talked about over the last couple of weeks, doesn't look like an NBA rotation player. You know, what he's doing defensively is as bad as it gets. You know, it's what you would expect from a rookie that isn't familiar with NBA basketball. The positioning, the decision-making, the fouling from Joe is just horrendous. And offensively, you know, he looks like he has no confidence. He essentially airballed a a floater slash layup in this game, you know, turned down a three-point shot to take a mid-range shot that he has very little success hitting in this league. And he continues to struggle and continues to look like he probably should not be playing NBA minutes. Uh, another guy who's struggled and more so not his fault is Dayron Sharp. You know, finished this game with two points, one of two from the field, did have three rebounds, one block, one turnover. But again, you know, three fouls in seven minutes at a position defensively and Uh, Again, you know, this is more so on Sean Marks not having a veteran or a viable backup center option. And depending on Dayron Sharp, who we knew was raw last season and really didn't take those strides as we saw early in the year to be a consistent NBA center. Uh, Moving over to Seth Curry, you know, similar to Joe Harris, if he's not knocking down the three or contributing offensively, he's pretty terrible defensively. And we saw that in this game. And that's what's a huge issue for the Nets because. In this game, when Spencer Dinwiddie wasn't on the floor, there was essentially no level of creation. And Spencer is a good player. He's not a great player. There should be at least somebody who can step in for a couple minutes and fill that role. Most nights is Cam Thomas. You know, the Nets look to have Seth Curry do that for a little bit. Did not work at all. Um, again, you know, Seth doesn't really have a role in this team. He's a guy that really complements stars well, but isn't a guy that's going to do a ton on his own. Uh, moving to Royce O'Neal. 
kind of you know similar to what we've seen with Royce in the past. Has some good hustle plays, but can make mistakes defensively. And his three point shot is super hot and cold. And right there is you know your main bench unit: Cam Thomas, Joe Harris, Daron Sharp, Royce O'Neal, and Seth Curry. And they were all very bad. You know, not one guy played solid minutes tonight. And even moving to the starters who really contributed and put up some numbers, other than Dorian Finney-Smith, you know, you had 26 from Spencer. You had 31 from Mikel Bridges. You had 19 from Cam Johnson. You had nine from Clax, but also a huge defensive impact. And to have your bench perform so poorly really killed this team on multiple levels. And it's ironic in a sense, given we thought, hey, you know, maybe this team is too deep. It's going to be hard for, you know, Jock Vaughn to find the rotations. Right now he's getting, you know, pretty bad production from a lot of guys. Uh, Yuta Watanabe was out of this game uh, with back soreness, and Edmund Sumner was out of this game for personal personal reasons. We believe, you know, his wife is uh, due for the birth of their baby. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. If you're a basketball junkie, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Twice a week, J.J. Redick is cooking on his podcast, The Old Man and the Three. He has guys come on in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, including Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron in Miami, and the moment Tyrese Halliburton knew Pascal Siakam would be a good fit in Indy. In addition to player interviews, every Monday, J.J. breaks down the top three things happening around the NBA with unmatched analysis, not outlandish takes, and is often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler to dive deep on rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? You won't find another outlet that covers the game as comprehensively and with such insight as JJ does it on The Old Man and the Three. Make this your companion podcast during the playoffs. Listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. But again, getting back to the starters, uh, Cam Johnson, he started this game, you know, pretty solid, found some good opportunities, especially with the Bucks drop coverage, finished with 19, 6 of 12 from the field, 2 of 5 from 3, 5 of 6 in the free throw line, 7 rebounds, 1 assist, 4 steals, 4 turnovers. And similar to the Hawks game, obviously not as productive, but you're starting to see 
some of the different things that he can do and how he can be an effective, you know, NBA player. You know, uh, the one things you love in this game or a few of the things you love or the pull-up threes, you know, off the dribble. That's such a lethal thing and puts so much pressure in the defense, you know continue to work on that, get more consistent on that. And that's going to just add another element. And you can tell the Nets are trying to encourage Cam to be more aggressive given, you know, the first play they called of this game was to get him a shot, which he ended up at the free throw line. And also six free throws for him. I think he could probably use a little bit more creativity around the rim. You know, there was a possession where he went right at Brooke Lopez, probably go at him and try to finish on the other side of the rim. You know, probably ends up with free throws or maybe a, a shot at a reverse attempt, but obviously Brooke having a really good year as a rim protector as he has, you know, the last few seasons. But more progress from Cam Johnson and hope in the development of him as a scorer and an all-around player and really, you know, working on his his self and his contract for this offseason. Um, moving over to Mikel Bridges, another big game for Mikel. Uh, 31 points, 11 of 19 from the field, 3 of 7 from 3, 6 of 7 from the free throw line, 2 rebounds, 5 assists, 2 steals, 2 turnovers, and 1 foul. Um, Mikel just looks super fluid out there. And it almost feels like sometimes when he's coming across the paint, he's like floating in the air when he's hitting some of those, you know, fade away mid-rangers or you know floating away mid-rangers whatever it is and also as we've pointed out in the past his arms are so long he keeps the ball so high he just has a lot of room to get that shot off we even saw him you know take Giannis one-on-one in iso possession this game and I'm all for Mikhail getting more opportunities to operate and do different things especially with some of the limitations of other guys on this roster you know let Mikel Bridges cook and see what he can do especially during that stretch in the game where he went on a little 7-0 run by himself you know let him do some more see how hot he can be you know it felt like maybe he could have had 40 in this one of the Nets went to get him more touches and you know drop more plays for him and I think also another thing that sticks out with this team And this isn't because Nick Claxton is an elite screener or an elite dribble handoff guy. But when Dayron Sharp or they go small, they lose that element. And that seems like an element that is very impactful for Cam Johnson and Mikel Bridges. You know, coming off the screens, coming off the dribble handoffs and having a real role threat or just somebody they can throw it back to or someone who can really just create some space for them. And you're not seeing that with other guys. And that's that's an impact that Clax is having. And I think Clax had one of those games tonight where... He impacted substantially more than what the box score shows, and he has a fully stocked box score, finishing with nine points, four or six from the field, one of two from three, seven rebounds, four assists, three steals, three blocks, one turnover, and only one foul. You know, Clax is going back and forth with Giannis. He was able to shut him down a couple times, got dunked on a few times, whatever it was, but he was playing with a level of tenacity and energy that really, you know, infused the team and you could even see it with the way he was rebounding the basketball early you know going up and grabbing it snagging it whatever it was if there was an impact play to be made you know Clax was trying to do that you know he had the oop finish over Brooke Lopez in the third quarter of this game did get the tech but you love the energy you love the juice and I think the management of his minutes has been uh confusing you know, maybe a little interesting depending on however you want to look at it. Clax really didn't play many minutes in that fourth quarter. You know, finished the game with 31 minutes. But if he is on a minute restriction or whatever it is, you figure you need to make sure those minutes are going to land him time in the fourth quarter down the stretch. You know, when this game was still within reach, I thought subbing Clax back in this one would have been the best decision for the team considering he was, you know, 
the second best net tonight. You know, behind Mikel Bridges, Claxton was everywhere having an impact on both ends of the floor. As I mentioned before, it's not just the defense, but also his role in the offense and how he's allowing other guys to succeed. And also another role he's giving, you know, Spencer Dimity a pick and roll partner. And they're not fully in sync yet, but you're seeing progress being made or even the fact that Spencer's able to utilize him to create space for himself. And, you know, Spencer, as I mentioned, finished with 26 in this game, 9 of 17 from the field, 5 of 10 from 3, 3 of 4 from the free throw line, 6 rebounds, 8 assists, 1 steal, did have 4 turnovers. You know, some of those turnovers obviously really do hurt, but... When he's aggressive and attacking, getting to the rim, going at guys and trying to finish, you know, creating contact, but then also trying to finish and not just look for the call, that's when he's at his best. And you saw that tonight also look confident off the three-point line. I thought, you know, Dinwiddie, Bridges, and Cam Johnson are all guys that can have success against drop coverage, and they did that tonight. You know, Spence is a little bit more inconsistent because of his three-point shot, but Mikel can eat in the mid-range. Cam, as I've talked about before, is pretty comfortable pulling up from anywhere on the floor and knocking down a jumper. So this there was opportunities for the Nets to generate offense and get positive possessions. They just kind of got away from that, and also they just didn't execute. As I mentioned, you know, there was a lot of good three-point shots, but again, how dependent are you willing to be on a one specific shot when you're going cold? And I think you look at Jacques Vaughn in that situation, you look at roster construction, Would obviously this is a makeshift roster given you traded your two best players at the deadline, but there just has to be some level of adjustment and some some identity and some different, there just has to be counters. You know, you're not going to have your three ball every night. And if you're going cold and you're still in the game, you know, we're not talking about a team that was down you know, 25 points, they were down 10, you know, get a couple free throws, get a couple stops. Next thing you know, it's a four or five point game and you have a real shot to win. But instead it balloons to 10, 15 for the Bucks. And next thing you know, it's over because of the way they're playing and you're going ice cold. And I think a lot of this too, as I mentioned, some of it's on Vaughn. I think the identity of this team, you know, the roster being thrown together in the last few weeks and also and some of it's on Sean Marks, too, for simple things like not having a veteran center, you know, not having a guy that can come in and back up, you know, Nick Claxton and give you some solid minutes. You know, you're you're looking at these bench guys coming in and just providing you nothing. And these are also some of these guys who could have probably moved for maybe a swap, maybe a second round pick at the deadline. There was always that potential, especially and I think. In a sense as well, you look at it as, you know, the rumor was Dorian Finney-Smith could have landed the Nets a first or two first. Well, this team really doesn't look like it's doing anything. And your job as a talent evaluator was to determine, you know, how successful this team could be and what would be in the best interest. And right now, a play-in game seems way more likely than pre-All-Star break. You know, it just seems like the struggles are sticking out. The team is just not gelling for a full four quarters. You know, there's some questioning coaching decisions. You know, there's some bad play for some of the players. They have a back-to-back against the Knicks tomorrow. See how that kind of rolls out and see how they play in that game. The Knicks obviously cooked them the last time they matched up at MSG. Can the Nets find a way to, you know, play good for four quarters, find a way to take this defense to the next level, and, you know, find a a go-to play for their offense other than a three-point shot? You know, I'm not really sure they can, especially in such a short amount of time, but we'll see what happens. Um, And, you know, hopefully – there's some more positivity in the next Brooklyn Buzz, but as always, appreciate everybody listening and check us out on all stream platforms. 
Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.